What is up, guys? Welcome to the Old English D, a Detroit Tigers podcast. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Casey, alongside Josh. How you doing this week, buddy? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. How we how we feeling? Um, how long can we go without talking about the Tigers game tonight? Um, well, seeing that this is a Detroit Tigers podcast, I feel like we'd probably have to address Shoot. it at some point. Okay. All right. Um, well, uh, we broke a record tonight. Yeah, not the kind that you want, but yeah, sure. We, we broke a record. What would you say? 21 times in the first time in like the modern era that's ever been done that a team's T- been shut out? Tied... The, like the last time this happened in the designated hitter era was 1976 by the Yankees. Oh, well, at least we're in some royal company there. Yeah, I don't know that that was one of the good Yankees teams. So, <laughs> oh, got it. I don't think got it. it. Um, okay. So, I mean, we knew this series wasn't going to be good. Of course, we're playing three games against the Astros, and they're like one of the best teams of baseball. They've won 90 games. They're playoff bound, right? I mean, you can expect that a team that's 30 games under 500 is probably not going to do the best against the Astros, but I would like to see some fight. I mean, we had five hits. Okay. Yeah, you're right. That's fight enough. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Yeah, we got shut out seven to zero. We love it. Uh, Erod wasn't the greatest. Um, Torque almost had a three run homer. He had, he had a home run in 24 ballparks. That was pretty cool. Can we just say it was a home run? Maybe and just give it to no, him. No, I think Aaron Judge would have something to say about that because got like it. His wouldn't be so special at this point. I mean, his fifty-five home runs are what are you fifty-seven now or whatever? I don't know. I get pools and <laughs> Judge mixed up at this point. Oh um, man. Well, okay. Yeah. Moving on from this terrible, wretched game that we just watched or attempted to watch because. I, I wasn't watching by the end. Um, the Tigers actually had a pretty okay weekend. You know, we played the Royals. Um, we don't have to talk about the Angels series. We really we don't have to talk about that. We, we only won one of those games, and uh, it was pretty much the trout show, amongst other things. And no Tigers were deciding to show up to hit the baseball. Um, but the Tork Royals hit a, series... Tork hit a bomb to dead center field. So let's just... I I block out I block out the entirety of that series. I, I mean I'm glad that Torque did that, but my goodness. It, well, you're right. It was a bomb. It deserves it deserves some it, off the bat, it did, it looked like a pop fly, which is probably the coolest part. But that's what you want to see from him, but yeah, it wasn't wasn't great off the bat. Uh well no, and then, I mean I guess I, I wasn't like that knock against him. I was more like that kid's strong. Like I mean, like he like he made a pop fly look like or he made a home run look like a pop fly and like it just kept on carrying and carrying and carrying. I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. I didn't think I had a chance to leave the park, but dude strong. He, I mean, the one he hit tonight, he absolutely tanked. But again, Comerica, <laughs> absolutely Comerica. Uh, but the Royal Series over the weekend was a little bit better. Um, very much a um, all or nothing kind of showing from the Tigers. Again, uh, this offense proves to, proves to be feast or famine. Yet again, we won. Friday's game ten to two. We won Saturday's game eight to four. Every chance the bullpen had to spoil that one was there. And then we did lose Sunday's game, which is a little bit of a spoiler, zero to four and shutout. And now no oh man. Oh, we're on a we're on a some kind of streak here. Josh, what streak are we on? Scoreless innings being thrown <laughs> against us. I put you on the spot there and you still got it. <laughs> Let's actually oh, figure that's this fun. out. That's fun. All right, well, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth figuring out. Once oh, you I'm going that, to now. Yeah, it's, I it's... know. I know. I know you're going to. Um, 22 yeah, innings. I, yeah, okay. That's even more depressing. The Tigers very much decide to either show up or not show up, and they typically decide to show up or not show up, and they make that decision realistically two hours before the ball game. Like it, it's, it's amazing. You can kind of just tell, like it's, it's almost just like a, like a feeling and like a, like a aura that the, that the offense has. It's like, yeah, no, well tonight. And, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, we fall behind pretty early. So like most, most games that we're just pretty much, uh, this is not going well. Like tonight, like tonight we fell 
basically down three to zero pretty early, two to zero at first, then three to zero, and then things just snowballed. But I don't know anything from specifically the, the Royal series, the Angel series that you want to touch on besides Torque's absolutely majestic home run. Um, I'm trying to think. I feel like I'm missing something. Oh, uh, the game we won against the Angels. We do need we need to to talk about it real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, the late game heroics by Carpenter and Kreidler. Kreidler hitting his first home run to give us the lead in the in the top of the ninth, and and Carpenter to tie the game with a solo home run in the top of the ninth. I I am in love with these kids right now. They uh they're they're making this team at least a little bit watchable. You're just interested to see what they can do. I mean, Kreidler hit his to to the rock formation out in center field at Angels Ballpark. So it's great to see from him. He's you know, he's gonna come for one of these guys' jobs here pretty quick if he keeps hitting. Yeah, scope or candy, you're talking. Yeah, yeah. I I think scope is gonna be a fantastic utility player next year. <laughs> that's that's what I think. I mean he's gonna be a pretty darn expensive one but i i think you have a point that yeah i think kreidler is here to stay um torque is having a much better second stint which again like he hit he hit the home run he's on a, i think he went nine for 22 over the last week mm-hmm. um i the guy the guy looks a lot more complete at the plate he doesn't look nervous he doesn't look like he's trying to carry the entirety of the offense on his shoulders he looks a lot more calm again we talked about it like it's scary that he's already trying to search for swings but uh, you know adapting and 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 making adjustments is the major league level we learned that you know Badu learned that the hard way this year um and you know that realistically still hasn't really made the adjustments he needs to make but Torque has seen some success lately. Do you think this carries on into, you know, hopefully next year? I think it's a little early to talk about next year because, you know, sophomore slump can really be detrimental to a, to a player's psyche. Uh, we've, we've seen that with, with Badu, like you were saying, I'd like to see him continue to play some solid baseball the rest of this year. And then we can kind of go from there because with the new, with the changes that are going to be coming to the front office with this team, we don't really know what the team is going to look like next year and whether or not, you know, he's going to have a spot. And realistically, if you take a look at it, I think nobody's job is going to be truly safe on this team next year. Yeah. I I think that's a fair point too. I, as crazy as it sounds, I think, the only people that have any kind of um, assuredness in their job is AJ Hinch and Chris Fetter. Yeah. I think that's it. (laughs) I think everything else is up in the air, Um, which is scary because I mean, it may be okay. It may be Riley green. Maybe I think, I think Riley green, but the question of where he plays, I think center field, he's obviously, he's shown that he has enough range. He he can do it. Right. But even that, I mean, like he'll be in the lineup, but I mean, if, uh, you know, some kind of crazy center fielder becomes available or we try and float a trade, I mean, I still wouldn't hate seeing that kind of range in right field. You know, I don't think that'd be terrible. Um, I feel like and- we're crashing into a whole lot less walls in right field. It's just a thought. And and I would much rather that for Riley Green than him. I mean, again, we've talked about it at length. He does not need to sell out for all of I, I, it. It's cool for ESPN. It's cool for the highlight reel. But my goodness, if he, like it, he's one shoulder dislocation away from ending his career. And that, I mean, that's that's like I'm not saying he's that nimble or that fragile, but like it's like, dude, like we're not in a playoff push. We don't need to do it. But then again, you like the you like the hustle. You like that you're playing to win. You're like that you're playing for every out, 27 ounce. It all matters. But yeah. That, it's I, a great I, mentality to have, but Derek Hill will tell you that it's not good for your career. <laughs> <laughs> um and then yeah, I think for Carpenter specifically, he he has really been 
the diamond in the rough that this organization really needed. Um, you know, we, we thought it was going to be Badu, and we still think there's potential in Badu, but he definitely doesn't have a job for next year, and he's got to earn that again. Um, but Carpenter really looks like he is this year's kind of Cinderella story um, and, and has a lot of potential. And I mean, we're talking about a guy that we forget. Like, this guy was a nobody at the beginning of the year. He was stuck in the minors, working on some swing changes, figured some things out, has an awesome story, right? And we're talking about a guy who has seen three legitimate hikes in difficulty in the game of baseball in one year. And he, I mean, he's taken it in stride. I saw um, some tweet, and I'm going to completely butcher it right now and, and apologize for whoever tweeted it. But it was like the the rookies with like I, I think it was the first 75 plate appearances or something like that or and help me out if you you've seen this tweet too but it was like tigers rookies through 85 plate appearances or 75 plate appearances whatever and and carpenter's right up there with like the top 10 he has like a crazy ops solid average like 283 or whatever i, s- I sent the tweet to you here i'm pulling it up right now oh okay the, yeah notable ops for tigers in their first 20 career games 20 career games. How many play does it say how many at bats your plate appearances, whatever? It doesn't. That's okay. not on the quantity. I guess it but, wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't be the same between all of them. But uh it, the top four is freehand Brennan Bosch, Carlos Pena, and Kerry Carpenter. And Kerry Carpenter is only five points off of Pena for third. And not all of those names worked out, right? Let's be honest. Brennan Bosch fell off the place face of the planet. Like a, like a, that's that's one um true statement, but also Freehand was one of the most underrated catchers that deserves a Hall of Frame vote in anyone's book. Right. Some of the players below Kerry Carpenter, Curtis Granderson, Hank Greenberg, Lou Whitaker, Lance Parrish, Kirk Gibson, Ty Cobb, Alan Trammell, Al Kalin. That's some that's some darn good company. And I mean, well, one, the Tigers have a absolute amazing history of baseball right there. But then two. Carrie Carpenter just doing some things, you know, and it's exciting to see. And I think uh, it was that the lineup's made up of nine guys, right? And it, it's bleak when you have two, you know, up and coming stars who you think are going to hold down their positions for the next 10 years, right? And that's nice to bank on. But then as soon as one of them starts to waver and I'm looking at you torque, right. And coming back and he's doing better, but the first it was looking scary. Right. And then you don't have a lot of depth behind that. Whoo, you know, that's scary. So the fact that Carpenter's come up and just absolutely taken this team and, and taken his opportunity really, and, and flown with it and, and, and really succeeded under a lot of pressure. It's good. It's, it's exactly what this team needed. I think in Kreidler's case, you brought up a, a it's perfect point that this infield is getting small. <laughs> there's not a lot. There's not a lot of positions to go around and the other replacement players scope candy. They're not doing it. And I think I, scope has an in right now because he was hurt. Right. So they want to see if he can come back and do anything, but candy DH a lot in the angel series. He didn't play in the field a lot to give Kreidler a chance. And uh, again, his plate approach is better. He's not flailing. He had some amazing swings in the angel series that were only backed up in the, in the Royals series. Um, I think these kids are legit. What do you think? I think we have a great future of Tigers baseball to look forward to. I wish there was some more to build around for the short term. But yeah, very, very excited about about the the young hitters on this team right now. Um, shout out to the Twitter account Ghost of Ernie Harwell for the for the uh, mm-hmm. Carpenter great stats. Twitter. Great Twitter account. Um, now on the pitching side, Josh, um, we we have we have a couple things. We have we have a couple things to go over. Um, this is no longer the pitching rotation and the bullpen that we once loved in the beginning of the year. I think that's no secret. Um, they are, they are struggling quite a bit and limping to the finish line as bad pitching rotations do. I mean, they're starting to show their, their holes. I mean, and and none of these guys are honestly, I don't even know how many of them would make a 
mediocre starting rotation. But there's one guy in particular that I just... Every time he is scheduled to pitch, I question why he's still there. Josh, that guy is Tyler Alexander, Todd the Painter. And at this point, it's pretty much just becoming an L every time he takes the mound. Can you explain to me why AJ still goes to Todd the Painter as a starting pitcher? Uh, I can't. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure um, we're on the same page. To give some context to old, old Tyler Alexander, this year he has started 13 games. He has a 3-10 and 10 record. So okay. We all know record doesn't really matter. He uh, has wait 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 every single start he had. Well, I guess maybe one of those. There was some some bullpen some bullpen, but that that's still kind of crazy. Took yeah, a, okay. A decision on that, but his ERA is five point three five in seventy seven innings pitched. He has fourteen home runs allowed. He has forty one strikeouts and seventeen walks. Uh, he's an ERA plus of 71 and a fielding independent pitching of 5.11. For anybody keeping track at home, you don't want any many of those numbers to be high. And they are very <laughs> high. So not a great, not a great run here from Todd the Painter. Um you and I have questioned a couple times why we're not having Daniel Norris make some starts for this team. Uh, it seems like he's he's really done well the last two years starting for this team when he, they've kept him in the rotation consistently. Uh, but the Tigers seem dead set on keeping Daniel Norris in the bullpen. And so that kind of leaves you wondering, as a, as a team that let Michael Pineda go to give younger pitchers more time, more innings to start, we're running out of young pitchers to start. Mm-hmm. we've had a kid named Luis Castillo. Not the, not the, not the <laughs> famous one either. Not the one that was Heart traded stops. to the Mariners, a rookie kid up, up and down several times. We've not been able to keep him up just because of roster constraints. So I know the Tigers are running out of pitchers at this point and, you know, having three of your, you know, ideal starting rotation guys down with, major injuries is not helping you and then you've got a bunch of your younger pitchers who are who are struggling with you know either innings limits or injuries themselves you're doing yourself no favors but you just you have to question when does the experiment stop you know yeah and and like i mean at this point right we're we're kind of past an experiment because like he started games last year he was you know and famous swiss army knife that aj hinge loves to coin right can i use him in the starting rotation i can use him in the bullpen you know like all, all these all these places that i can use tyler alexander and like while it was fun for a minute this year has proven that he cannot paint He's not painting like Todd the painter should. And when you're not throwing 98 and you're throwing 89 and you're throwing over the heart of the plate, you're going to get hit. I mean, you, you you said how many home runs, like 15 or how many home uh, runs was it? 14 home runs yeah. in 77 innings. Yeah. I mean, that's not sustainable. And, and a lot of those are multi home runs. Like they're, they're multi run. A, a lot of them. Yeah. He's, and... he's given up 46 earned runs it's just terrible. Now you bring up a, a really good point. And it was exactly the name that I wanted to bring up Daniel Norris. Now I'm a little biased because I like this guy's story, right? Van man. We all know it, right? He lives in a van. He's a little, little eclectic. Okay. He's not everyone's cup of tea, but like the reclamation project that is, Daniel Norris coming back to the Tigers, having a great first start, right? And really, he had two really solid starts. One that was four innings, one that, like, I think he just made it shy of five innings or whatever it ended up being. Like, he gave us some solid innings. I thought for sure that they were going to let him, you know, stretch him out. They were going to let him go a few innings and, and, and go a few starts, rather, and have a chance to solidify himself till the end of the year and then maybe get a contract for next year. Maybe not That's with Tigers. literally what they said that they were going to do when they signed him and they put said. him in triple A's. We're going to stretch him out so he can start. And then just nothing. And 
And now he's terrible out of the bullpen. He's awful. He's back to fidgety. He's back to like being unsure of himself. He's he has... never been good out of the bullpen for it's any so team. He's so never bad. been good out of the bullpen. I don't understand. But here we I'm... go. We have a role for him that he seemed to prove. Again, there's going to be ups and downs. I'm okay with an experiment that has a timeline, right? We're we're expired on the on the Tyler Alexander timeline. We we very much expired. It's time for us to be done with it. I I think I understand the whole getting rid of Pineda thing. I I I really do because Joey Wentz deserves a look. But if Joey Wentz deserves a look, Daniel Norris deserves a look and Tyler Alexander should be gone. And, and honestly, like I wouldn't be surprised if, if next rotation start comes around and, and we hear something that, that, a, that AJ says that he can't make his next start or maybe an injury or something. They'll make up something. I wouldn't be surprised because I think that's where we're at. But I digress. Tyler Alexander should be absolutely out of this rotation. Still has a chance to stay in the bullpen. I still think he can be okay out of the bullpen. He's shown some good innings out of there, out of the bullpen, even this year. Just uh, not not starting games and 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 really starting to set the precedent for the entire game. Where I was talking about, you know, as soon as we go down early, it's pretty much the end of the game before it even begins. So, um, on the Joey Wentz note, though, he had a great start Friday. What would he do? He was fantastic. He best Tigers starting pitcher start in a minute. Um, six and two thirds innings. Two hits, one walk, five strikeouts, no earned runs. Uh, he pitched 87 pitches, uh, 53 strikes. Dude looked in I command the entire don't time. know what else you need from a starting pitcher. It's just that confidence, dude. Like, And, and, and what's interesting, too, and, and typically, I don't have any statistics on this or whatever, but in my head, sometimes this happens where a, a player – goes and goes to a city that has some kind of some kind of thing to them, right? They they mean something to the city. In this case, pitching in Kansas City, it was his first time back in his hometown. And he had a lot of family there. He had a lot of, I'm assuming, high school and maybe even coaches there and whatever it was. It was his first time pitching there. And some that that has very polarizing effects. Either you do very, very well or you do very, very bad. And we can very happily say he did the former and he did very, very well. Dude looked like a stud. He looked like more the the Joey Wentz that we're accustomed to knowing. Wasn't topping out on the velo like we've ever seen. I think he topped out like 93, 94, right? But it doesn't matter when you're locating, i.e. Tyler Alexander. Um, (laughs) It doesn't matter when you're able to mix and change speeds. He had a really solid, uh, I I don't even, I hesitate to call it a slider because it's a little bit harder than that. He had this little cutter thing going um, that was keeping people off base, but it was really the first pitch strike whatever it was right and then he'd mix in a curveball and he even flashed a couple changeups in there it's important to note the royals aren't a good offense right they have some good hitters right bobby witt jr salvador perez the like right they're not a good offense so it's 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 important to temper expectations before he faces someone that that is you know reasonably good and you know this week we'll get into it but he'll, he'll have his chance to face someone that's a little bit better um but you still got to go out there. You still got to throw strike one and you still, I mean, he, he did it right. He pitched into the seventh inning. When was the last time a Tigers pitcher did that? A starter pitcher did that. I mean, probably one of these Erod starts since he's been back, which have been kind of up and down. I need to point this out. I didn't realize this and I don't understand why nobody's talking about it. This is this, this was Joey Wentz's third major league start ever. Mm-hmm. Ever. Yeah, it feels like it's longer. It feels well, like just it's because he pitched in May. Mm-hmm. He pitched two starts, two spot starts up from the minors in May. Kind of got knocked around his first start, but had a really good second start. Only pitched mm-hmm. four innings, but he allowed one hit and no walks and struck out four in four innings. And I think that was a pitch. Uh, um, pitch count management kind of thing for that one. But then he got injured and kind of got screwed over with the roster 
uh, rules and stuff like that. But third start ever to go almost seven scoreless, allowing two hits and a walk. I I don't understand why that's not being talked about a little bit more. And like you said, it is the Royals. I do get that. But the Tigers have been really allowing anyone to score at this point. Tyler Alexander's pitched he pitched against the Rangers and the Rangers have been abysmal mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and they, and they lit him up. So major league baseball teams can hit the baseball. If you, mm-hmm. if you throw it down the middle and clearly Wentz had, had his stuff going. I am super excited to see what more he can do because that was fantastic. Yeah. I think his next scheduled start is against the white Sox. Nope. Nope. It will be, it'll be the last game against the Astros. So <laughs> we shall see. Um, typically four will be a little interesting. <laughs> typically when we mention anyone's name, it goes downhill. So look for that. Uh, this Wednesday at an a game, um, important to note too. uh, Small bounce back start from Manning. Um, and I was looking at his line, and it's funny because I said, Oh, what, what pitcher has gone seven innings for or into the seventh inning for the Tigers? <laughs> it literally Manning pitched into the seventh inning for the, <laughs> here's the next game. So, you know, I that game was weird because it, it got rained out. Like they, they should have stopped that game 50 so million weird. times. It's so strange. But, anyways, so yeah, so Manning had a great start too six and one third, uh, three hits, uh, two earned runs. There were three runs that scored, but only two of them were earned. Uh, one walk, which is important, and then four strikeouts. He's he's not getting the strikeout numbers that anyone would would expect or or really, you know, bat an eye at. But, um, the the walk in the control, um, is something that's important he didn't look the best either. And I think that's important to point out too. He really like he muscled through it, you know, and that that's the sign of a good pitcher. When, when you don't have your best stuff, when you're clearly kind of fighting your mechanics a little bit, but you're still able to put something together. That's when I start getting excited. JV was notorious for that. He was absolutely famous for that. Um, there, is a time when you just have to decide, okay, this is all the other team gets. This is all the runs the other team gets. This is all they're going to, these are only hits they're going to get. Like, I'm going to stop this right now. And that's really the definition of a workhorse and ace and and what in the traditional sense. Um, It's good to see out of Manning. Again, going to be growing pains with these kids, but I I like what I'm seeing from Manning. Anything specific you saw? I'm not going to lie. I didn't see much of the game. Of that game, I had a lot of work stuff I was doing that day. I did keep up with it. I didn't watch him start very closely, but that's something that I think Manning has gotten a lot better at his last start since coming back from the from the shoulder injury is uh, pitching as best as possible, even if he doesn't have his best stuff, which happens quite a bit. But I think that along with the strikeout numbers are going to get better going into next year. I think having this kind of building blocks kind of year uh, with this second half, I think it's going to be huge for him going into the off season. He's going to have a better plan, better plan of attack, but yeah, excited about the flashes this team has. And that's about, about all we got these days, but we're, uh, we're excited about the potential and that's, that's all we can really do. Yeah, I think uh, his biggest thing right now is just going to be trying to figure out how to stay healthy. I think he 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 his his number one objective is is make another, you know, however many starts he has, four or five starts, pushing it a little bit, but four or five starts, and just get to the end of the year, make it healthy, make it there healthy, and and work this off season to you know become the best pitcher he can be, and then be ready come April first to. Uh, this team uh, is going to call on him to to make a lot of important starts. If if this team comes around and, and the starting rotation formulates in my head how I think it's going to, because we don't have Casey Mize, we're unsure on Scooble, Erod's a question mark, and we probably need to get someone in the offseason. But Manning <laughs> is Manning is is an important part of that piece, and so um, good to see some some positive signs out of him. I think we're going to just to close it out real quick. I think we're going to have some options next year because you've got to think about Fayeto is going to come back. They shut him down for the rest of this year, but I think he's going to come back with some, you know, with, with a little bit to show we have Wentz. I think Wentz is going to improve a little bit. Risky. 
Brisky's coming back as well. So we're going to have some guys that we can we can at least give a shot to. Can't forget rotation. about Verlander. And I'm assuming we're going to have Turnbull. I'm, I'm assuming we're going to have Justin Verlander. I don't know, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean... He has an opt-out, and I can keep my hopes alive. If it's any time, it's going to be this year. I'm just, it's, it, it can't, it's not going to happen. The The opportunity cost, Josh, the opportunity cost is gone after this year. He's going to be 40 years old and he's going to be asking for $30 million plus. Someone's going to give it to him. Okay. But I would much rather give him on the, on the South side of 40. I, I dig- dude. We're gonna, we're gonna. He's gonna want to win a World Series, and that's not happening this year, in Detroit. No, he needs to. No, no, we don't care. We don't care about that. He shouldn't care about that. He already has a ring. He, whatever, it's fine. He, what he should care about is solidifying his hat in <laughs> the Hall of Fame. Anywho, Josh, next year the game of baseball is gonna look a lot different. Why is that? It's going to take some getting used to. We've got some some new rules that were approved by Major League Baseball um, to the chagrin of the Players Committee. The, yeah, Rob Manfred really Union. just uh, came in with his paddle and just ran rough shot with that new rule that he has, right? And like, oh, I don't need any. I don't really need any player okays and voting or anything i could just make rules and that was part of this new cba that was, that was part of it and so and here we go they've been testing these rules for forever and what are they josh so we got three new rules that are going to be implemented this year um we will go most controversial to least controversial oh well 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 maybe we should go <laughs> but maybe we should go the opposite way least least to most okay that's fair uh the least controversial of three rules is they are expanding the bases we are making the bases bigger sorry i'm trying to roll here uh the bases which traditionally have been 15 inches square will instead be 18 inches square home plate will be unchanged so that is for kind of two different reasons first reason is player safety giving more area to be able to for for you know the fielder to have their foot there and not get injured and for the runner to be able to slide in or you know run through the bag without you know getting hurt we like that player safety we're all about it less injured players uh the second reason is to help bring back the stolen base um with the with the bases being bigger you have you know marginally less distance to go and you're going to be able to get off a little bit further you're also going to be able to slide in and grab the base a little bit easier if the base is a little bit bigger and hold on to it too correct correct So that is the least controversial. Uh, the next one is the what they're calling the defensive shift limits. And then those rules is basically banning the shift as it is played today in Major League Baseball. Um, it is worded here, the defensive team must have a minimum of four players on the infield with at least two infielders completely on either side of second base. These restrictions are intended to increase the batting average on balls in play to allow infielders to better showcase their athleticism and to restore more traditional outcomes on batted balls. Um, There is consequences to not following this rule. Um, Let's see here. If the infielders are not aligned properly at the time of the pitch, the offense can choose an automatic ball or the result of the play. Hmm which is very football-esque, you know, penalty flag, decline the penalty, take the result of the play. Um, oh, that's going to be messy at first. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I think that's something to keep in mind with, with these second two rules here is no matter what you think about these rules, they are coming. They are going to be a part of Major League Baseball. And whether you like them or not, they're going to take some getting used to. They're going to take some adjustment from players managers umpires and fans and the league so all of that to say i am not anticipating any of this being smooth i am minus the bases i think the bases is pretty cut and dry we're going to slap those babies in in the ground on the on the on the base paths and we're going to call it good other than that i'm kind of expecting chaos but i think casey you and i are pretty much 
aligned with we we do not like the shift and we're both pretty traditional in that sense that we we want the second baseman to be playing the position of second base and we want the third baseman to be playing in the position of third base and and so forth and we we think that you know you should be able to make the plays for your for your position and not you know analytics went a little far with this one yeah i my biggest thing with the shift right is it always seems to be doing the exact thing that you don't want to be doing when your team is doing something right like we talk about all the time right like when they're hitting scope hits a line drive up the middle they have them shifted there's three men technically on the you know, right side of second, and one of them is right up the middle, and scope does not get a hit, right? Okay, same thing. Let's just go the opposite. Opposite opposing team is batting. We're shifted, right? We have three men on the left side of the infield for some reason, okay? And the opposing batter goes to the right side of the infield and they get a base hit. Right. And, and, and that's, and in in these instances, right. They, they stick out in our minds and, Oh, we hate the shift. Then there are plenty of times when Riley green gets a hit or, you know, Miguel Cabrera gets a hit and, you know, it it was, should not have been a hit because some kind of shift situation. Right. And then same thing too on the defensive side, right? Like, you know, we make some solid plays or we make a really difficult play look incredibly easy um, and are able to create an out out of something that should have been a base hit. In my head, what I almost feel like would have been a more conducive way to go about this just to incrementally just to see if it's making changes instead of making these because it's i mean it's pretty sweeping right i mean we can go over right uh, there's still ways to do what quote unquote mini shifts right there's still ways to have you know kind of muddy the waters and and have less outfielders and maybe have an infielder or have an outfielder come in and play infield as long as there's two men on either side of second base it doesn't matter right you can do anything within those limits and they're on the dirt but i wonder if like instead of having the two men on second base rule, like the one that gets me all the time is a left-handed batter. And it's important to note too, that all of these shifts, most, I shouldn't say all, most of these shifts are conducted against left-handed batters and they really take the bat out of left-handed batters. A lot of, a lot of righties are not shifted on as aggressively as left-handed batters. And so the one that gets me a lot is the one where second base traditional second baseman is playing deep in the outfield right they're 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 awaiting the hard hit pull ground ball from the left-handed bat i wonder if it would have been something where they stopped dead of the two men second base thing instead just said okay the infielders have to stay on the dirt that's where we're going to start this you can't do these crazy like maneuvering of the shift and you can't do maneuvering in these infielders, but you or like I guess you, but you can move their positions, right? But you can't have them play like an outfield position if they're supposed to be an infielder, or you can't have them play a, a, an infield position if they're supposed to be an outfielder. Have a little bit more um, structure with with every position instead of doing and just it would have been like a gradual change instead of doing all this this craziness. Just a thought. My thing is. And there's there's statistics on this. There's there's plenty of statistics on this because it's been in the minor leagues for I don't know you'd know better than I have, but I, I think it's been like two or three years, right? I'm not sure on on the uh, on the shift on whether it's there's what, data. What, what's what the what the deal has been on that? And it has had zero, and I mean moot. I mean zero effect on offensive output in the game of baseball by banning the shift. Which is troublesome, which because that's the exact statistic that they're looking to counteract. The game of baseball is boring to a lot of people. Not enough offense. We want more offense, not necessarily home runs. Major League Baseball should figure out how to juice their baseball very, very quickly because it would bring more people to the flipping game, but they just can't figure that out. But 
not necessarily home runs, but base hits, right? There is not a lot of base hits happening. And the exact statistic that they are looking to try and make a change in, there has been zero evidence that it actually makes a difference. And that's where I'm like, I just, I don't know if this is the right decision. Well, here's here to bring some context here, not to, not to interrupt you, but um, the stats that are in this article by Anthony Castrovitz of MLB.com, uh, as of this writing, the league-wide batting average on balls in play is 291 in 2022. It is six points lower than in 2012, and it is 10 points lower than in 2006. Mm-hmm. So batting average has gone down as the use of the shift has gone up. I don't know whether we have a correlate correlation equaling causation situation here, but the the shift, in my opinion, the shift transfers those base hits somewhere else. Some players will be getting more base hits mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as other pay- players will be getting less. I sent you a stat, uh, kind of a chart, of what players have been, you know, kind of shifted, shifted by up, the shift, yeah, shifted on the most. Well, no, not even shifted on the most, but who have been affected oh, the most okay. by the shift. And Riley Green has lost a good. I'm gonna mess up the stats. I'm gonna look it up real quick. But Riley Green has been affected the most out of any Detroit Tiger. And you can't tell me that that wouldn't do huge things for this team if they had, you know. A, a lot better, a lot better average for Riley Green this year. Well, right, but it goes the opposite way too. Where like now the Tigers are going to have more runs scored against them. I, that's the theory, right? But like, I mean, it's the same thing. Where like AJ Hinch is a proponent of the shift. He loves the shift. He loves getting creative of this stuff. He has some of we our team is one of the most heavily uh, shifted teams defensively in baseball. That creativity goes a long way. And I mean, our we've talked about it many times. Our defensive run saved on this team. We have a much better defensive team than we did last year. And a lot of that has to do with the shift and just better better defense in general. But I the it's you can't have it both ways, right? Or you have to have it both ways, right? Riley Green's gonna get more hits, but so is Alex Bregman. Or or and that's maybe a bad example. So is Jordan Alvarez. You know, but, I, but that's what we want. We want more hits. Ah, you want more hits. <laughs> if that base, if baseball is trying to do what they're saying they're trying to do, then this this is exactly what needs to happen. Right, and and that's, and, the, and that's an important point, and that's a very important point, and and that's why my knee jerk to this whole thing is, is like, I just I don't like it because I'm very much a pitcher friendly kind of baseball fan, which is dying, right? I mean, we're, there's barely any of us out there. I I prefer a pitcher's duel to blow out ten runs scored on each side. That's not very exciting to me. That it, it just it just isn't, and it never has been. I understand that. In this age of you know scrolling TikTok reels, it's all about that the next thing, positive reinforcement, affirmation, instant gratification. None of those things are coming through in baseball right now, and they've they've got to do something. and And I would rather have the sport live on <laughs> and, <laughs> and and actually be able to enjoy my Detroit Tigers for the foreseeable future than you know die out because of my old man ways. Um, but I, I think that's where a lot of my bias comes from. And that's why I think it, it's it's like a it's like an artist paying a picture, you know, the manager for the manager. It takes a lot of their job out of it. And I still think that AJ is going to come up with some pretty, pretty creative things next year and pretty funny. That, that's what I was about to say, too, is, you know, as as the rules change, so will players and managers and teams do the things they do to get around the rules and and not, not even to get around the rules just play within the rules you're gonna have teams still shifting within the two players on each side you're gonna have teams moving outfielders around more creatively i think it's just gonna be different it's just make, changing the shift as we know it today into something different it's it's not gonna be what Major League Baseball thinks they're trying to do. It never is with, mm-hmm. with a lot of these things. It never turns out exactly how they think it will. 
speaking of old man ways, uh, the last rule change, and this audio is spicy. Uh, the the Major League Baseball is going with a pitch timer. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I uh, will read this from Anthony Castrovance. In an effort to create a quicker pace of play, there will be a 30-second timer between batters. Between pitches, there will be a 15-second timer with the bases empty and a 20-second timer with runners on base. At last check, the pitch timer had reduced the average time of game in minor league baseball by about 26 minutes. This rule, which includes limits on throws to first base, has also increased stolen base attempts. With this rule in place in the minors this season, steal attempts per game have increased from 2.23 in 2019 at an 80 or a 68% success rate to 2.83 with a 77% success rate. That is a huge jump in success rate. Um, and, and there's a there's a bunch of different breakdowns on rules and stuff here. And I'll I'll put in the link uh to the podcast and everything, this this article. It breaks down all of these rules really well. Anthony Castrovince does a great job of of being as succinct as possible with a lot of these things. We both have uh, a very specific view on it. I like this by from, from the stolen base attempt thing. I think it's a lost art in baseball that needs to come back. I think it's super exciting. That's why we uh, have the to... bigger bases. <laughs> um, a, a 9% success rate change in two years is massive for stolen bases that is huge um obviously some concerns with the pitch clock and like i said before this is going to take a lot of getting used to for players for umpires for coaches and for fans it's not going to be pretty i'm just telling you right now the first three weeks of next season all you're going to hear about is people complaining about it players complaining about it you're going to have it's going to be Max Scherzer freaking out about the substance on his hands all over again. Like what literally yeah, yeah, yeah. St- it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be spider tack fever all mm-hmm. over again. Mm-hmm. And the thing I like the game being faster paced. We you and both I have went, both, yeah, I was we about to both say, we went both have to seen minor league games like this. We both have been to mid- Midwest league games that have the pitch clock 26 minutes per game on average, is a lot. Is a lot. I just... I'm just terrified that we're going to have outcomes of games affected by this. That's my only qualm with the whole pitch timer thing is we're going to get to a bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, 3-2 count, and we're going to have Bryce Harper not be able to get into the batter's box in time and he's going to get struck out and the game's going to be over because of a, of a, of a timer. And that is the exact antithesis of what baseball is. It's not about running out the clock in baseball. It's about, you have to get 26 outs or 27 outs before the other team gets 27 outs without allowing the same amount of runs. Like I, if I am all about, you know, making the game more accessible for younger fans, make it more interesting and, and that's awesome. And if this is going to do it, then I am all for it. I'm here for it. I'm not shy about changing the game of baseball a little bit to make it more accessible to new fans, but not at the expense of the, the outcome of games. Yeah. And, you know, you brought up an interesting point, the, the whole 26 minutes thing. And this has been making its rounds a little bit. It's important to note, and, I, and you know this too, right? I mean, it's not going to do the same thing to Major League Baseball, right? It, it's commercials, and it's it's a lot more gravitas in, in Major League than it is Minor League, right? There's a lot more going on um, as far as ad revenue and these kind of things, right? So at some point, there's going to be a cost-benefit analysis, right? It's worth it if this many minutes are cleared. It's not worth it if this many minutes are cleared, right? I am attempting to take my little bit of old man bias out of here again. You know, like I'm trying, I'm trying to do it. If it's really only 15 minutes on it and I get it, it's an average, right? Average is a big thing, right? You're going to have mm-hmm. games that have 30 minutes shaved off of their clock. And you're going to have games that have five minutes shaved off their clock, but let's just say 15 minutes. Okay. Those 15 minutes 
are they really that important? Are they were they really the stopping gap between a twelve year old watching the baseball game and not watching the baseball game? I'm just not convinced that that's what it is. I'm more convinced it's the offense thing. I'm way more convinced it's the offense thing, and I I can I can not die on that hill, and and that's fine. I, I understand that my desire to watch a pitching duel is is not as desirable as watching a home run derby. I I get it. I don't think this 15 minutes is really make or break. And I don't think it's worth exactly what you're talking about. And and, I mean, I I think, you know, whether or not it creates an uproar in the first three weeks or not, I still think it changes fundamentally the point of baseball. And you touched on it, right? At the very end, it is 27 outs who can score the most amount of runs in 27 outs. You score more runs, you win. You score not enough runs, you lose. And they've done things to make sure that the extra innings situation, it doesn't get out of hand. We, you know, we got used to that. It is what it is. It's just we're living by it. I mean, at this point, it's probably going to be changed again come next year. We'll see. Who knows? Um, but with the pitch clock, the game of baseball is so – it's like a game of chess between the pitcher and the batter. And, and I'm, now that I'm saying that it might be a bad example because there, there is a time limit in chess, <laughs> literally like, <laughs> there, like is there, there is a there clock, there is a clock, but before there was a clock in chess, let's just, <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there wasn't a clock in chess. Right. And it was, it was always about the mental mentality, you know, being two steps ahead of the next player, or, you know, the, your, your opponent. And, the game of baseball has just never been at its at its core about a clock. We've seen it in action, right? We've seen it. We've seen it played out in the minor leagues. And while I think that major league pitchers are in general more mature, it's going to do a lot of damage to a lot of pitchers who are in a jam and they don't have a lot of time to, you know, control them their emotions um collect themselves and they're i mean the players that they're going to be mostly affected by this i think are going to be hitters about not you know not having their prep time and their thought process on what the pitcher is going to be throwing at them and bullpen pitchers starting pitchers are very you know routine oriented and they have the, very much well, want to be exactly in a rhythm. I think they're routine oriented. No, no, but they want to be this. in a rhythm. They want to be in a rhythm, and I think if you speed up that rhythm, it's yeah. it's not going to affect much in the long term. Bullpen arms, it's going to be a struggle. But they set the rhythm. That's what's so cool. Like you can tell, you can tell with a starting pitcher if they're in command or not in command of the game, literally by just watching a f- half inning. You can just tell, right? You can see Justin Verlander. Or you can see in. in anyone Kershaw, you know, like, I mean, you can see if they're in command of the game by exactly what you're talking about. Their rhythm and routine of how they're delivering the pitch. And all that is just completely washed away. And now, and again, like, and I even getting into, yeah, how is it going to be when like, okay, what happens if like, for instance, it happened um, during the angels series, um, someone like, and I don't even know the batter, but like, Someone almost hit a home run, okay, and they didn't hit a home run, but they were doing the smart thing and were jogging around the bases, and they made it like to halfway to second base. It ended up being I don't even think it, yeah, it was it, it must have been a foul ball because, but like when does the clock start for the pit for the batter? You know what I mean? Like gonna, we're gonna see a lot of of guys getting dust in their eye and you're going to see a lot of you know running out easily foul foul balls and you're going to and, see it's and what's what and maybe you can answer this but i don't know what they talk about in the article what's the new time rule like like how does time how does call because i mean it happens probably three or four times per at bat right I mean, or, so I there's mean, limits on ro- throws to first base i know that you right. only have so many which that seemed like I understand why they have to make that rule, but you're just after your allotted throws. I mean, the batter basically gets second base. Mm-hmm. So, like, what's all right? Let's see here. 
There's got to be a limit on how many times they can call time. And also, does what does time do now? Does it does time stop the clock? Does it not stop the clock? Like, what does I it think do? it res- like for with runners on base? The timer resets if the pitcher attempts a pickoff or steps off the rubber. Pitchers are limited to two disengagements, pickoff attempts, or step offs per plate appearance. However, this limit is reset if a runner or runners advance during the plate appearance. Oh my gosh. Like baseball isn't a complex enough sport already <laughs> that we have to add pickoff attempts and step offs and resetting the, the play clock here. I wonder if we're going to get an uptick in box. So I wonder. I mean, you may as well. If, well, if, I mean, not like on purpose. I'm saying is like... made, the runner automatically advances one base if the pickoff attempt is not successful. So you get your third, but you have to pick him off or else he gets the base. Which uh, pick offs. I mean, you can count on one hand in the amount of. And I mean, 30, 30 times 162. Quickly mm-hmm. do that math for me. You can yeah. count on one hand how many times that happens. How many, how many batters are picked off in a game? What in the name? <laughs> Mound visits, injury timeouts, and offensive team timeouts do not count as a disengagement. If a team has used all of its allotted mound visits prior to the ninth inning, that team will receive an additional mound visit in the ninth inning. So it sounds like the second that Riley Green calls time before the first pitch of the 2023 season, the entire stadium's going to gasp. They're not going to know what to do. The umpires are going to have to get together, and they're not going to know what to do. I mean, and the, and the other thing about it is, I've said this since the very beginning of this, and when I first started watching the pitch clock stuff down here in the minors, there's no communication on it. I can't imagine how it's going to be in the majors when at like people are watching, you know, like people are going to be paying attention to this, and they're going to want to know why the count is three and two and not three and one. And it's going to take way too much time for the ump to get on their mic and like, oh, you know what I mean? Like that that's going to be a fumble and you're basically just going to add time to the game. Right. It's not cutting down the time when we have Joe West out there trying to figure out how to turn a mic on to tell everybody that there's a ball added because the pitcher took too long. <laughs> yeah, The more we talk about it, the more I hate this. And I... <laughs> that i was kind of on board and now i'm no, really not well i think well okay i think you are more on board with the principle of the thing right you're, you're on board with what it's trying to accomplish whereas like and like and, and you're getting a little lost in the rules of it right it's it's it, the execution is where it was where you're having struggle and and like i i would also agree obviously like i, I think it's going to be a complete and cluster. we all know major league baseball is great at executing new procedures and stuff <laughs> yeah you're right you're right they they it takes them quite, Max a, quite a long time basically dropped his pants on a major league baseball <laughs> field and then it took them all year to figure out oh i guess we could just look at their hands after everything <laughs> oh, literally took a whole year oh by the way did you i finally watched that karen check video of literally he was petting him he was literally oh, it was so him. bad it, it had to happen to be very fair <laughs> i get it yeah we oh, could have done that better to, to, so everybody knows is it james is that his first name james yeah, karinchak yeah. of the of the indians there's been quite the Guardians. buzz on social media about he he goes and touches his hair before after during every pitch and there's a lot of questions on you know sticky substances with him since he's been he's had quite the uptick this year in a lot of his stats and they finally came and and somebody asked him to get checked and uh, the umpire was very friendly with his <laughs> check of Karen Jack's hair. So just so I don't weird. know why it needed to be that strange, but he's like, it was weird too. Cause he was like, he was like stroking his head while he was talking to the other manager or whatever, whoever was on the mound. He was like, like oh, are yeah, you I describing guess. it to him? Like <laughs> what is happening? I'm so uncomfortable. Anyways. Um, yeah. I think it will take some getting used to. I can understand why they're doing it. I understand that this was always the plan and it was it was going to come whether we like it or not. I'm just here to tell you I don't like it. <laughs> I and I and I think I again, you have to do some at some point, right? When we have like a lot of data, like a lot of data sets on this and 
if the game of baseball is absolutely booming, there's an uptick in viewership, yada, yada, yada. Great, cool, glad. 15 minutes, clearly Casey was wrong back in 2022. And I'm talking like five years from now, right, when we have some mm-hmm. con- conclusive data on this stuff. I'm wrong. Okay, fine, fa- fantastic. If this isn't helping the game and we really aren't achieving the main things that we're trying to achieve here, can we just scrap it? Can we just – is that okay? Like we can call it a whole new era. We can call it the the pitch clock era, and it can last for five years, and we can just be done with it. Can we all agree on that? If it's not working, like I'll be okay with that. I'm down with that line of thought. I just would like it to be said. At least they didn't add the the robo umps in for next year as well, because that, that would just oh my tip gosh everything again, over the edge. You talk yes. about you talk about execution. Like I I I mean again we can have that conversation when it comes to pass because it's probably going to come to pass. But I mean oh man, there the have execution seen, of that. Have you seen how it's done in AAA? Have you seen any videos of it? Um. No, no, I haven't. Because it's the very antithesis of pace of play. (laughs) Because what happens is, at least how it's been done in AAA, is the umpire is still calling the balls and strikes, but the pitcher, catcher, or batter can challenge the call. And it goes to like a a graphic review, like like in tennis, whether the ball's in in or out. And it takes a good... 15 seconds for that to go yeah, we, through we don't like that and that's that's a whole pitcher's pitcher's time for his pitch as we know now yeah and, and i mean and and this is a whole other conversation but it all goes into the definition of what is the strike zone and what is the strike zone three-dimensionally two-dimensionally yada 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 we've been over it before the the strike zone on the on the stupid tv ruined everything for everyone so yeah that's gotta go that's that's gotta i mean i understand why i do it right it's it's to make the game of baseball a little bit more understandable and a little bit more comprehensible but it it completely just like shafts the umpires and like i mean like it, it it like it does not give anyone any kind of clout in in the argument of like well i thought it was yeah no no no. i mean all that at least umpires are graded on a different scale than what is actually the the, the strike zone on the screen. That's not what they're looking for either. So that right. doesn't help. But yeah, some sweeping changes coming to baseball. We will see again. I, I'm hoping for um, at least the very least a smooth transition, right? Like I, I just, I hope like they all get training in the off season. Everyone's by game one, everyone's ready. Everyone knows what the rules are. There's not going to be any question marks, but we know that that's not going to be the case. So look forward to that. April 1st. <laughs> uh, Josh, are we going to win any game against Houston this, this series? I say we don't win a game this week. Oh my gosh. You want, you want to have no fun recording the next podcast? Cause that's going to be sad. No, here's the thing. I, with this team, I am excited to see the small flashes of greatness that these young players have. And I'm putting myself saying we're going to see those and we're going to lose every game. And if we win games, I'm excited. I get really happy because we weren't supposed to win any of them anyway. I just can't get excited about that. I just can't. I can't. I mean, like, and I I'm it. the optimist here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have two more against Houston. Uh, I think Hutchison and Wentz are going. And then we have three against our friends, the fighting LaRussas. And uh, the White Sox, I mean, I don't know what the season series is against them, but I mean, we haven't played. It's not good. Yeah, it it, it has not been good. And uh, I, while I think that you have a point and we could lose every game, I'm going to go with the standard. We'll win two of them. Don't know. I'm not even going to say who or what series. If we win one in the Houston series and one in the Chicago series, I'll be happy, whatever. It's, you know, I say that, I say that, you know, I'll win two games and we'll be happy. I won't be happy. I, <laughs> I'll be very, very sad. And, and it will probably be tough to watch. It will probably be tough to watch, but at least we will know. And forever we will know this that we have the better manager. I, I was going to, you know, I don't really care. At least we have a manager that's healthy. That's all I could say. Oh, now that's a low blow. That's a low blow. The dude got a pacemaker. At least give him a week. Why are you hiring a 
manager that's old enough <laughs> to be in a nursing home. Josh, back right. in the 70s, hey, back in the 70s, the GM shafted him or the owner shafted him. Okay. This was all this was all part of the plan. Okay. You're not seeing the big picture. Okay. Chicago's not seeing the big picture because I think they want to win a World Series at one point. And you're not doing that with Larusa. That's all I'm saying. Um, it's important to note too, the last Chicago White Sox, anything that I saw. And we forgot to talk about this when I went down to Indiana to hang out with you and see the uh, the minor league game. The last White Sox thing that we watched, or at least I watched, was Dylan Cease losing his no hitter in the ninth inning. Shoot, we <laughs> we didn't talk about that at all. And I oh, that I was, was awesome. Oh my gosh, we I mean we are the Jinx, right? We we did that on purpose. We tuned in on purpose to be the Jinx. And I mean, he was one out away, right? One pitch or, away, I or, believe. No, or was it the first? Or was it the first batter? Of no, the, no, no. He had two outs, and I think it was a. a it might have been a two-one count. That's right. Yeah, it, was it was Luis Arise. It was Luis Arise. And I said before he doubled, I was like, "This is going to be the best pitch that he sees in the at bat." And, and he hits a gapper. It was fantastic. We <laughs> oh it. well, it was fantastic. Josh, where can the kids find us? We are on uh, Twitter at Old English Pod. We're on Twitter. We have an Instagram account that I've been sporadically updating to, giving some putting some Tigers content on there. Um, and yeah, look look for us on the socials and give us a, a rating or a review, five stars if you wouldn't mind, and we would greatly appreciate it. Yeah, and obviously wherever you normally consume your podcasts. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Josh, thank you so much for joining me. And as always, go Tigers. <laughs> <laughs>